Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Amen, 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 amen. Good word, good word. You know, I appreciate those guys sharing. You know, our heart is that, you know, we come and we equip you for life. I mean, we give you tools for life. We don't want to just come and, and hear a good word or whatever that looks like and then go home and wait till the next week. But you need to be able to apply it to your life. Amen. And understand, too, we're not just coming for services. We're, we're coming to encounter God. And so we need, we need to prepare ourselves and allow him to move and work on our life. And really, we're on a spiritual journey, uh, not just seeing how many Sunday mornings we can check off our list. Because at the end of the year, we want to be able to look back and see where we've come from and where we are. We may not be where we want to be, but we ought to be able to look back and see I'm a whole lot further ahead than I was. Amen? And so we want to give you the tools and equip you for that. I appreciate those guys sharing things. I'm always asking pastor friends of mine, I go to conference or seminar, I'm always listening to what are you reading? I want to, if I get a chance to ask a question, uh, what's the book you're reading right now? What do you do on your day off? <laughs> How do you manage your week? And so I'm always wanting to learn and grow. So I hope that this can be a blessing to you and find something good that you can apply to your life. So I appreciate those guys. Amen. So a couple announcements really quick. We are in the middle of 21 days of fasting and prayer. And I just want to thank you guys to stay steady. I want to encourage you to stay steady. Thank you for participating. We had a great week this last week of uh, Kingdom First morning and evenings time of prayer and praise. Didn't we everybody that had a chance to come on out, man? Praise the Lord. What a great time that was. If you didn't, and I know it doesn't work for everybody, you can go online and engage those. I had a lady tell me she came to the morning sessions. She said, I couldn't come to the evening because of family schedule, but this next coming week when we don't have morning sessions, she's going to watch the evening sessions each morning. And so there's a lot of ways that you can stay connected online. Look at the prayer points, engage with that. We're looking at 21 days of prayer because we're trying to create a habit. But really, honestly, we're looking at 365 days, right? We're looking to do that beyond, but maybe this will help you get started. So participate in that, continue to do that. And let me just say, I love what the kids are doing in their prayer and fasting, because if I'm cutting out sweets and media, I need to be mindful of complaining. I just got to tell you, that needed to be packaged that way. And uh, so we all could probably do what they're doing, cut out sweets, media, and then complaining a little bit. So I um, want to let you guys know uh, also that we have <clears throat> that Tree Life app is so important for you to get a hold of that because I'm giving you a lot of information every Sunday, but in particular during the course of the series, and you'll see that today again, just get, on, get that app, download it, and get on the live notes. I was sitting in a service several weeks ago, Wednesday night, that Pastor Dave was preaching, and I was trying to take notes and trying to manage everything, and, and I thought, I wonder what that live note thing is, and so I clicked on it, and I thought, this is fantastic, it's changed my life. And so uh, I say that not jokingly, but in reality, it's a great way to keep up with what's being taught, and then you can go back as Pastor Cody said, you can go back over it again. So download that app and, and keep up with it during the message and then go back and look at it later. And last but certainly not least, just want to let you know that yesterday we were super blessed. Um, a company, uh, Jenkins Restoration, uh, gave us, donated us a whole bunch of pulled pork and sides for today to be able to sell for people that want to support the missions ministry. So uh, we got on the phone, called some wonderful servants here at Tree of Life uh, on Saturday afternoon, and they came up today to get it all prepared. So while supplies last, you can get a pulled pork sandwich and sides, and all the proceeds go to our missions department, missions things that we're doing for the kingdom this year. Amen. I just appreciate that business and people coming up and serving and doing that. It's awesome. All right. 
So you're going to eat, spend some money, and save a soul. <laughs> and, and invest in the kingdom. There you go. All right, great thing. Get your Bibles out. Go ahead and go to John 1.1, 1, 1, our foundational text through the course of this series. We are in part three. I want to encourage you, if you hadn't been here for the others, go back, check them out. If you have been here for the others, go back, recheck them out. Because uh, you got to get that, as Pastor Cody said, down on the inside of you. And in particular, this series, I'm giving you a lot of information because we're really talking about the Bible from the standpoint of well, God created this book if you will. God created this uh, living thing, and uh, we'll talk about that in a moment, that we can build a life on. In fact, we need to build our life on. And there's a lot of things going, coming against the Bible in today's world. I mean, the Bible's under attack like never before. And I honestly believe that we need to be better equipped to share why the Bible's true, to maybe even defend it. And I know God, in a sense, doesn't need defending and the Bible defends itself. But I remember 20 years ago, probably 20 years ago, I was in Guatemala for about six weeks. I was living with a Guatemalan family that spoke no English. My hope was to learn some Spanish. And so I was going to a school every morning. And so on the afternoon, I was hanging out trying to practice my Spanish. And there was another student from the States that was down there. And we began to talk talked about just about life and just share what I was in ministry and just sharing things. And so I began to minister to this person and I remember saying to them, but you know, you know, God will do this and the Bible says this and the Bible says that. And they said, well, hold on a second. I don't even believe in God. Why should I believe in the Bible? <laughs> because God said in the Bible <laughs> that the Bible's true. Why do I believe it? Because it says in the Bible, what are you talking about? And it was frustrating for me, but I learned a lesson 20 years ago that since then, I've been doing the best I can to try and educate myself and dig deeper into the uh, validity of the scripture, uh, you know, that, that God did create it. And how, how can we share that with other people? And how can we solidify our belief system? Because it is under attack today. So that's my hope, my heart in this series to help us as we begin this year to dig into the Bible and see how we can build a life on it, how we can understand it. Today, we're gonna talk about how can we trust what he said? And then next week, we're gonna talk about how we apply it to our life. And so I just wanna encourage you, just open up, take notes, get on that Live Notes uh, app, and let's get into the Word. John 1, 1 says this, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You realize God himself calls himself the Word. Man, I love God, I love God, I have a relationship with God. I just that Bible thing, I don't know about that Bible thing. You know what, you wanna know God and have a relationship with God, you gotta get into that Bible thing. It is him, it is who he calls himself. You can't have the relationship that you want or he wants with him without the word. And he's revealed in the word and he'll point, he'll point you two things as Pastor Cody said earlier, all that. You need to connect with the Bible. My heart, my hope is to inspire us, motivate us uh, to get connected in the Bible more than we currently on are. But I love that God himself calls himself the word. That's how important it is. So it's important to, for us to know that anytime we're in the word, we're connecting with God. And we need to spend time doing both in prayer and in the word. Second Timothy three sixteen through 17 says this. All scripture, say all. That means the scripture you like and the scripture you don't like. That means the scripture you live by and the scripture you don't live by. All scripture. Is God breathed and that means since God gave the word, not only is it his word, but he also gave the power to fulfill his word. So not only did he give us words to live by, he gave us the power to fulfill those words that he gave us. And I love that about God. And is useful, say useful. It is not some outdated book. It is not some myth, some fable. It is a now book. It will always be a now book. It is useful for, goes on to say this, teaching, rebuking, correcting. Hold on, can you go back? And training in righteousness. That means it is useful for every area of your life. 
That means it's useful in your marriage. It's useful in your parenting. It's useful in your finances. It's useful in in how to manage your mind and your emotions. It's useful in your relationships. It's useful in your job. You can't compartmentalize and say, I'm gonna go and apply the word here, but I got this myself. I'm okay here, I'm good. It's useful in every area of your life, and I love that. That means the word is alive and active and operating. So it goes on to say this now in 17. So that the servant, those who call upon the name of the Lord and are saved, those that follow, serve God, the servant of God, maybe thoroughly covers everything, equipped, prepares you, equips you to do every good work. That means that the Bible is applicable to every area of your life. God didn't miss anything when he put the word together. I don't care, even if it was put together thousands of years ago, it'll always be in thousands. If, if we go on or the earth goes on for thousands more, it'll still be applicable for every good work, everything. I love that about the word. So understand that it's applicable to every area of your life. Um, my hope today is to uh, get you to trust it more. We just need to trust the Bible more. And I want to let you know why your Bible can be trusted. Matthew twenty four thirty five says this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That means heaven and earth will change. There's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, the scripture says, but the word will change not. It will never pass away. Some things will look different. The word will not look different. The word will always remain. It will always remain, God says. And so we need to understand that. That's why we can trust it. It'll always be there. And I want to give you some things that will help you trust the Bible. I want to give you seven reasons why it can be trusted. And if you like really kind of teaching kind of stuff and you're going to really like this, but if you really want to dig in more to some things, I want to give you some things that I've spent time researching, uh, listening to, studying to bring this to you, um, done it over the years. Um, one of my favorite uh, people that minister on these type of things is Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell. Josh McDowell has a great book, Evidence That Demands a Verdict. And then uh, one of my favorite people to listen to is Pastor Rick Warren. You can write that down, Pastor Rick Warren at Saddleback Church, and I just beloved, I love how he ministers on the validity of God's word. So there's a few, there's so much more out there. If you were to Google it, you'd find all kinds of stuff, and you would wonder, is this legit, or do I start here? Let me give you a couple places at least to start if you want to continue on this vein and study the word and the validity of the word God some more. I love that kind of stuff, so that's out there for you. Seven reasons the Bible can be trusted. Number one, it is historically accurate. It is historically accurate. Yeah, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a lot that proves the Bible is what we're talking about today, but we live life just thinking it's just a writing, a collected writing from a group of 40 people over a period of time. Listen, these things have all been proven historically. It's historically accurate. Let me explain that to you. Uh, this, this really goes against those who say, you know, there's some great principles in the word. I, I think, it's, you know, how to be nice, how to treat people, but I think some of the stories are just not real or hard to believe. They're kind of made up. But let me tell you, it's not just a book of morality. It is history being proven. It is being proven historically. And so Psalms 33, 4 says this, for the word of the Lord is right and true. The word of the Lord is right and true. It's right, it's words to live by and true. It really happened. And now for something to be proven historically accurate, Historians would say it has to go through three tests. A historian will tell you to be proven historically accurate, it has to meet these three requirements or these three tests. Number one, eyewitness accounts. And that's an obvious one. To be proven historically accurate, you need to have eyewitness accounts. Can I tell you that the stories in the Bible are not just hearsay and myths? 
and good ideas, and they're not just stories that I said, you know, I heard somebody one time say this about this, and I thought that was good, and I think I'll write it down and put it in here. (laughs) The majority of the Bible writers experience them firsthand for themselves. I mean, when you look at the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are the four guys that experienced those events, and they wrote about it. Those guys experienced walking and talking with Jesus. They didn't just hear about it. They were with him in that moment, and they wrote those things down. When you look in the Old Testament, and you remember the story from Children's Church, if you were in it, you know, Moses delivered the people, and he part, God parted the Red Sea. It was Moses was there, and so he wrote about it. Eyewitness accounts. All throughout the scripture, you get eyewitness accounts. It's completely accurate because people were there, eyewitnesses, even, again, in the Old Testament. Number two, how are things proven historically? Recorded and copied with extreme care. It is recorded and copied with extreme care. When God had recorded it, he did it with the most meticulous people on the planet, and that was the Jewish nation. There was nobody that recorded history like the Jewish nation. Jewish scribes, writers of history, had a standard that no one else even lived by. No one else had to record history the way that they recorded history. And history tells us they transcribed letter by letter, not word by word, not phrase by phrase, not idea by idea. Well, really, you know, if you sit around and you talk to grandpa, you talk to your granddad, and your granddad tells your dad, and your dad tells you, and you tell your son, it's changed over time there. But not here. They have meticulously recorded letter by letter. And so if you were to take the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible, and you were to count letters from beginning to end, and you were to find letters, you were to find the middle letter, what they would do, the scribes would do, they'd find the middle letter, and they'd start that letter, they'd count backwards, well, they'd count all the way to the beginning, to the first letter, and see how many letters they got. They'd take that letter, count all the way to the last letter, and then as they copied those works, they would do the same thing. And if they were off one letter, they'd throw that away and start over. Now, that's just one letter. It's okay. That's just one word. They'll get what we mean here. It was meticulously recorded. History shows us and tells us that. So it was recorded and copied with extreme care. And so uh, just kind of an example of that, my wife and I were blessed this summer to go uh, on a trip to Israel, which was just amazing, life-changing. And so we were at the place that they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls. They discovered them in the 1940s or 50s. So we heard the story about the Dead Sea Scrolls. We actually saw the caves that they were discovered. And so the Dead Sea Scrolls are not kept in one location. They're in several different museums over Israel. But we went to one of the museums and we saw the Dead Sea Scrolls and so we heard about them, we read about them, and they are completely accurate to the writings they represent. Just it followed the same pattern, completely accurate to the writings they represent. So uh, the third thing, improving something to be historically accurate is archeological confirmation. Archaeological confirmation. This is one of the things I enjoyed the most about being in Israel. We were at sites that we read about and hear about in the Bible. And they're just as they were described. They're still excavating things over in the Holy Land and finding things. In fact, we were on a, uh, on a group with people that had been in Israel before, years before, some 20 years before, some 10 years before. It was our first time. But we'd be at a particular site and they'd say, when we were here, this much wasn't uncovered yet. Or this site wasn't even uncovered when we were in Israel 20 years ago. And so they keep finding more and more proof, archaeological proof of, of the history of the Bible being proven in there. And again, we were blessed to experience some of that firsthand. So it is our, our, based on archeological confirmation. So that makes it historically accurate. According to historicals, it meets all the tests. Okay, number two, it is scientifically accurate. The Bible is scientifically accurate. 
God is the God of the universe. He created the heavens and the earth, and therefore he created the laws that govern it. He created the laws of the universe. He created the laws of of the body, of of medical things, of um, the stars, the light, the tides, the oceans, the animals, everything. God created the universe, so he created all the laws governing the universe, and that's why when the Bible talks about it, it's never been contradicted in the scripture and it's never been contradicted. Even though the science of the day did not match up because it wasn't advanced enough. The science of the day, now think about it, when they were writing, these things were being written, the science of that day did not even match up with what was being expressed. Now we know over time, science evolves. We discover things, things are being discovered more and more. In fact, it's been a while since I graduated high school, but if I was to think back like to my I was helping one of my daughters with their science, in fact, and I was thinking back to my science and back when I was in school at almost 30 years ago, I was like, man, science has come a long way since then. Who knows what I'm talking about, right? It was much easier then. But even though science is changing, the validity of God's word has changed not. And understand this, that we know more today, but the truth stays the same. You have to update science, but you don't have to update the Bible. It's still true. Uh, Psalms 148, five and six says this, let every created thing give praise to the Lord for he issued his command and things came into being. He created it, goes on to say this, he set them in place forever and ever, meaning they'll never have to change no matter where, what's well, 2,000 years later, they'll never have to change, his decree will never be revoked. It will always remain the same. You have to update science, but not the Bible. Now, the Bible's not a science book, and it doesn't give you a lot of science, but it's still accurate scientifically and always will be. Let me give you a couple examples. In 1861, the French Academy of Science came up with 51 incontrovertible scientific facts that prove the Bible is wrong. In 1861, the French Academy of Science came up with that. Since 1861, all 51 have been controverted, or have been proven, uh, you know, have been proven, every one of them. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? Man has tried throughout time to prove the Bible wrong, and they end up getting proved wrong every time. How about that? this common belief back years ago, a common belief um, that the earth was flat? There was this big debate and kind of a myth perhaps or that the earth was flat. Sailors would debate it for years. People believed that you would sail off the end of the earth at some point in time. It's very interesting. Well, um, when you look into the scripture, Isaiah 40, if they just would have read Isaiah 40, 22, he sits enthroned above the circle. The word circle in Hebrew means sphere where we get globe. He sits enthroned above the globe or sphere of the earth understand that if they just would have read the Bible and Isaiah, they would have known that the earth was round. Another common belief back with different cultures in the Bible writing days was the earth had to be held up. The Greeks, in fact, Greeks and Greek mythology believed it was held by Atlas on his back. We've seen the picture of the big guy bending over with a globe on his back. They believed it had to be held up. The Hindus believed it sat on the back of an elephant. And the Egyptians, masterminds of architecture and engineering, believed the earth stood on five pillars. But if they just would have read the Bible, in fact, the oldest book in the Bible, and it's not in chronological order, but if they just would have read Job 26, 7, He spreads out the northern skies over empty space. He suspends the earth over nothing. He suspends the earth over nothing. If they just would have read the Bible, they would know 
what God has done. How did Job know that? Well, maybe Job didn't write it. That's how Job knows it. Maybe God told him. How about this? During the writing of the Bible, they believed the number of stars could be counted. In fact, you can look this up in 150 BC. They tried to count stars and a man named uh, Hipparchus came up with 1,022 stars and they took that to be believed to be true. He believed, he counted them. Everybody believed because uh, he counted them that there were 1,022 stars. 300 years later, a man named Ptolemy, who remembers their history, Ptolemy, right? A man named Ptolemy, 300 years after that, said Hipparchus was crazy. He did not know what he was talking about because Ptolemy counted and he said there's not any way there's 1,022 stars. There's 1,026 stars. He found four more. (laughs) So that was widely believed for a long time. Well, if they just would have read the Bible in Jeremiah 33, 22, it says, and as the stars of the sky cannot be counted and the sand of the seashore cannot be measured. It is impossible to count. In fact, aren't they finding and discovering more stars and more planets today? How about medical science? They believed that day, a common belief back in the day was too much blood made you sick. They didn't have answers for people being sick. And so you, you know from history, they would, they would um, bleed you. They would drain some blood off you. Or they'd put leech, that's why they put leeches on you, to suck the blood out of you. That had to be the reason. There's, the blood makes you sick. There's too much blood in you. We got to get that out of you. In fact, that's how George Washington died. If you want to know how our very first president died, I did. I did the research on it. He died. He wasn't feeling good. So they bled him for a third time and they bled him a little too much. They killed the first president of the United States. But that was standard medical practice at that time. Well, if they just would have read the Bible in Leviticus 17.11, For the life of the body is in the blood, not sickness. The life of the body is in the blood. And once they discovered that, they started making sure you had enough blood, started giving you transfusions, right? (laughs) Medical science being proven. They just would have read that. In the Middle Ages, going through history, in the Middle Ages, during the bubonic plague, the Black Death, it killed one in four people, 25% of the population of Europe, 50 million people were killed during that time. And it's because they had no concept of germs or how they were transmitted. They had no concept of contagions. They didn't realize that you could spread something from one person to another. Well, if they just would have read Leviticus in Leviticus 13.4, it says the priest will quarantine the person for seven days. God in his great wisdom as he wrote that book said, you know what, you can pass stuff from person to person, but if you take a sick person and quarantine them, it's not gonna spread if they just would have read the Bible because it's scientifically, medically accurate. It's all in the Bible. It's been there the whole time. That's why we can trust it. And it's because man didn't write it. God wrote it. Psalms 12, six says this. And the, and the words of the Lord are flawless. The words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. And if you'll begin to believe it, it will change your life. You can trust the Bible. You can trust the word of God. Number three, reasons to trust the Bible. It is prophetically accurate, prophetically accurate. And this one's interesting because it's a foreseeing or foretelling of something that is to come are talking about something that hasn't happened yet. So if any one of them doesn't come true, then you have to throw the whole thing out. It seems a little risky, because if something doesn't come true, you have to throw the whole thing out. In fact, when you read the scripture, there are more than 1,000 prophecies in scripture, over 300 of them about Jesus alone. 
And the last prophecy was given 400 years before he lived. The last prophecy of Jesus was given 400 years before he lived. And so they had no idea. Listen, when they're writing these things, the last one written 400 years before he lived, they had no idea about him other than the Holy Spirit telling them. And they prophesied or wrote things in great detail. They wrote where he would be born, where he would live. They, they wrote that he would uh, uh, arrive or come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. They didn't know, and they, they, they're looking far ahead. It's prophetically accurate. And can I tell you, all the prophecies of Jesus have come true. And there's still prophecies to come true in the scripture about the future. And listen, understand this, David, David prophesied about the crucifixion hundreds of years before crucifixion was even invented. Remember crucifixion came on the scene when the Romans conquered the Jews and they invented torturing and killing people by crucifixion. David was hundreds and hundreds of years before that and he was prophesying, writing about something that never happened yet and it came true. So we can conclude that when it's Bible prophecy, all of them are coming true. Those yet to come, our expectation can be, because God wrote it, that they are gonna come true also. There's some interesting things that still have to happen in this world, and that's not to, to live in fear, but that's why we need to be urgent about making the biggest impact every day we possibly can. Winning as many people as we can to Jesus, amen? making a difference in the world that we live in. We need to be inviting people every week. We need to go out there and sharing the gospel with them, living a life that will be attractive to the things of God for their life. The Bible is prophetically accurate. How's that happen? It had to have been God. Second Peter 1.21 says this, for prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, inspired by God. That's how they got it right. It was the Holy Spirit speaking to them. And Jesus said in Matthew 26, 56, here's what Jesus said. But this is all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scriptures. It's all happening to fulfill the words of the prophets as recorded in the scripture, all of it. But Jesus said this is all fulfillment of prophecy. And by the way, there, again, there's some prophecies yet to be fulfilled. And so we need to be, my, Revelation, Ezekiel, Daniel, there's a lot of things. But we can deduce that they will be because they were written by God. Revelation 22, six, last book of the Bible, last chapter of the Bible. The angel said to me, these words are trustworthy and true. We can trust the Bible. They're trustworthy and true. I mean, say it this way. I think it would take more faith to believe prophecies in the Bible are coincidence than to believe God designed them. I think it would take more faith to believe there's not a God orchestrating all these things because the, the numbers or, or the statistics or the chances of all of this being accurate over such a long period of time in so many different writers and so many different days talking about the same thing, not collaborating and yet coming true, it had to be a God's, God's design. It would take more faith to believe it's not, I think. Number four. Reasons why we can trust the Bible, it is thematically unified. It is thematically unified. We talked about this a little bit last week, so I won't spend a lot of time there. But in order to keep a common theme, you think it'd have to be written by the same person. I mean, that just makes sense. One writer can keep a common theme. But again, as I stated earlier and last week, it was written by over 40 different people, 40 different backgrounds over a period of 1,600 years, meaning they couldn't collaborate. What are you gonna write about this? <laughs> what are you gonna write here? What did he say? I didn't really catch that again. I wanna write that down too. 
They, they didn't sit around and talk about all that. It's impossible over that time span. 12 different countries, three different continents, three different languages. They weren't collaborating over that, yet they wrote about the same thing and the same person. How does that happen? Well, here's what Jesus said, Luke 24, 27. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scripture concerning himself. So beginning with the first writings, Moses that are listed in our Bible, not chronologically, but Moses, and through all the prophets which end the Old Testament and everything in between, it all speaks of Jesus. There's scriptures concerning himself. That's the common theme over this whole time period. They stick, stuck to a common theme. It is thematically accurate. <clears throat> it's the reasons why you can trust your Bible. It had to be God inspired. Number five, and this is a great one. They're all great. I mean, I think just one of these proves it. It is trusted by Jesus. I don't know about that Bible. I don't know. I mean, I love Jesus and I trust Jesus, but that Bible, I just don't, I mean, that's 2,000 years ago or more. And that, that's a bunch of different people and things are different today. Can I tell you that it's trusted by Jesus? And if you can't trust Jesus, what do you, what do, you do, right? But Jesus trusted the Bible. Jesus trusted the Bible. If you trust Jesus, you have to trust what he trusted. If you trust Jesus, you have to trust what he trusted. And he trusted the Bible. Look what he said, Matthew 5, 18. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappear, listen to this, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. Jesus said, not one letter, not one word, not one written thing will disappear until everything is accomplished. Jesus trusted the Bible. And again, now people say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. or So, so many things have changed. Listen, if something's going to change, don't change the Bible to fit you. And I don't care if they're legislating things to try and get the Bible to fit culture or popular opinion or inclusiveness or, or whatever. We don't change the Bible to fit our life. We change our life to fit the Bible because the word of God is God himself. We don't change God to fit our lives. We change our lives to fit God. And the Bible's accurate. It can be trusted. And I, put, I wanna put this on the screen for you. If you believe what you like in the Bible, but don't believe what you don't like, it's not the Bible that you trust, but yourself. Let me read that again. If you believe what you like in the Bible, but don't believe what you don't like, it's not the Bible that you trust, but yourself. And can I tell you, I'd rather trust the Bible than myself any day. I'd rather trust God than me any day. His ways are higher than my ways, amen? His thoughts are greater than my thoughts. The Bible is way more reliable than any of our minds and before I even trust me, I'm gonna trust God's word. Whether I get it or not, whether I agree with it or not, I'm gonna trust it because Jesus trusted it. I'm gonna give you number six, I got, I got a couple more. Number six, it has survived all attacks. It has survived all attacks, think about that. So that makes you think about, well, why is it attacked in the first place? Because it doesn't seem like the other writings and the other religious belief things are being attacked like the Bible's being attacked. But maybe it's because the enemy wants to keep you and I far from the Bible. Maybe he wants to keep you and I from trusting it. Maybe he wants to keep you and I from understanding it. Maybe he wants to keep you and I from building a life on it. Maybe he wants to keep you and I from applying it to our life. So there's so much attack on the scripture and more and more today, that's why we need to understand these things because the enemy wants to keep us from believing or trusting, relying on or building a life on the foundation of the word and applying it to our lives. 
Hey, the Bible has been the most despised, denied, disputed, debated, dissected, outlawed, and destroyed book ever. And it still endures. It still lives on. It still has life. It still has power. It's still changing lives today. And no one has been able to stop it. And no one ever will. No one. So I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No one's ever been able to stop it, and no one ever will. It will still have power and still change lives. You can be trusted. You can trust the Bible. First uh, Peter 1, 24 and 25. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord, read these last two with me, the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of the Lord endures forever. It has survived all attacks. I'm not going to be ashamed of it. Uh, look at one French philosopher said, and he was considered one of the brightest minds of that day, still is if you look back through time and history, of his brightest minds of his day. His name's Voltaire. I mean, remember the name Voltaire from history? A lot. Yeah, okay, a lot of you do. Uh, obviously, most of us don't. He's been forgotten. Okay, um, with, <laughs> within 100 years, the Bible will be forgotten. Here's his quote. Within 100 years, the Bible will be forgotten. Well, I gotta say, most of us don't even know who he is. <laughs> but here's God's sense of humor. After his, after his death, his home became the home of the French Bible Society. But he was widely uh, believed to be one of the brightest minds of the day. And he said, the Bible will be forgotten in 100 years, but it still lives on. You can trust it. Everyone in this room needs to decide for ourselves what's going to be the final authority in our life. We all need to decide, what is the final authority? And I use that word purposely. What is the, the thing that we live by? What is it we look to when we, we look to, at our life? The word or the world? The word or the world? See, you can trust the validity of God's word. It is God himself, written, penned by men, but through the power of the Holy Spirit is God as being the author. It's been proven historically, scientifically. It's been proven thematically. It's all the things that we've already talked about. The word needs to be the final authority in our life. I'm gonna believe God's word. The Bible's not our little feel-good story on Sunday to make us feel nice or all warm and fuzzy. It's not our little daily devotional that we fulfill some kind of obligation. It's something that we need to live by. It's something that we need to learn. It's something we need to talk about. It's something we need to share. We build our life on God's word and we need to give it the final authority. And there'll be times that it may say things that I don't agree with, but I'm gonna have to say it's right and I'm gonna have to figure out how to line my life up with the word. There's gonna be times when there's things that I just don't like, but I have to remember it's right, and I didn't line my life up with the word because my life is better lived in line with the word of God than outside of the word of God. And I know the world is trending in other directions, and I say let it trend. I'm not changing. I'm gonna live by the word of God. Okay, let me give you one last proof. proof. It's one that you <clears throat> actually can test for yourself. Number seven, it has transforming power. The Bible has transforming power because it's alive. It has the power, not just words. It has words, but it has the power to fulfill those words. It has transforming power. It will change your life. And I guarantee you, there's many in here that said, it's changed mine. Can I tell you, it's changed mine. And so people come here and I hear people and I'm out shaking hands and I appreciate what they say. And they say, pastor, this church has changed my life. Pastor, this has changed my life. Thank you. Thank this. And I just want to say, it's the word of God that changed your life. And I know what they mean. And they do mean that. 
And so that's why we believe every time we come, we open up the word of God and we get the word of God inside of us. We don't just get the ideas and thoughts and opinion of man because they come and go, but we get the word of God in our life. We have to build our life on the word of God and you need to know you can trust it. You can trust it. John 8, 31 through 32, last scripture. Then you will know the truth and the truth will say, oh, I read the wrong slide. That's next. I'm, I got ahead of myself. That's a good one. To the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, listen, if you hold to my teaching, if you hold to my teaching, you are my, really my disciples. I'm not just talking about getting saved. I'm not just talking about going to church. I'm talking about holding on to the word of God, his teachings, and applying it to your life, building your life on it, trusting it whether you understand or agree or not because it is God himself. And so when you hold on to that as a Christ follower, then, then, say then. Then, when you're holding on and trusting in the word of God, then you'll know the truth, which is the word, and the truth will set you free. Amen? The truth will set you free when you hold on to it. Man, we gotta hold on to the word of God. We can trust it. Hold on to the truth, and it will change your marriage. It will change your family. It will change your money. It will change your job. It will change your mind. It will change your kids. It will change your life. But you have to hold on to it. Take this year. We're the third Sunday in January. Take this year and determine to apply, trust, understand, live by the word of God like never before. Take this year and do the things the Bible says to do. And I promise you, at the end of the year, you'll be further along than you ever thought you would be. Your life will be changed and transformed by the truth of the power of God's word when you hold on to it. I know this, God is a good and faithful God and he watches over his word to perform it. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.